Welcome back to the Monitor Sports Podcast. Eric Rinsnobel here with Dana Torrey. We are now about, what, three weeks into spring season and approaching quickly the halfway point already as uh, the spring season flies by with just two months of games scheduled before the school year comes to an end. We've got some lacrosse and baseball and softball notes to catch you up on. And then in the second half of the show, I spoke with Hopkinton girls lacrosse co-head coaches, Gus Madden and Bob Brown about the Hawks season. Uh, Madden and Brown both in their first years leading the varsity program after working in the youth Hopkinton youth lacrosse program for quite a while. So we talked about, you know, kind of how, how they've stepped in, how it's helped them knowing a lot of the girls that they're coaching now for the first time at the varsity level, but worked with previously when they played in the youth leagues and also just generally about the success that Hopkinton has had producing lacrosse talent uh, as the smallest public school in the state that has lacrosse teams. So that's in the second half of the show. But Dan, let's let's start talking um, with lacrosse. But I want to start with boys and talk about Bo because I was at their game last Friday against Bishop Brady, double local action. Bo won the game nine to six, and the Falcons are now five and zero on the season, which is particularly noteworthy because last year, Dan, they were two and thirteen, so they've already more than doubled their win total from last season. One of the big things that has stood out, if you just look at their, there's the scores of their games. The defense has been very good. Just six goals allowed Friday through the five games. They've only allowed 10 goals once every other game. Opponents have scored six goals or fewer. So the defense has been really good. And, uh, you know, it's been it's been a real good turnaround for for Falcons boys lacrosse then. Yeah, I've been struck by when Coach Calkin sends in everything, um, when he sends in the stats and stuff, how many different players they have getting involved. I think that's a really positive sign. Um, certainly a big turnaround from last year, but I, I, gosh, I'm trying to think back to previous years. I don't think both had more than five wins in a season for uh, a long time. I'll have to dig through the files to get more uh, specifics on that. But, um, I mean, Bo has not had a winning record for many years they haven't been a playoff team for many years so this is a a really good start i think a very positive sign that they've been getting so many contributions from a lot of different people as well um i know last year they were kind of carried by their their younger athletes a very strong uh freshmen and and sophomore class that are now sophomores and and juniors so they've we've got a lot of kids up and coming um to kind of help carry that program so yeah definitely definitely a good start um and they've had some you know some good games to some tough games um you know laconia the defending champs beating them in the first game of the season um you know co brown a division two playoff team also moving down to division three like the falcons that's a big one um so they've had some pretty big some pretty big wins i'm trying to look at who they might have coming up um well they got hopkinton twice in a week so that'll yeah be, they get hopkinton twice in a week and then the old yeah so co brown and pelham are tied for third um 
So it looks like they play Campbell on the road towards the end of the season. And obviously it's still early five games. It's not a huge sample size, but um, they've definitely taken care of some big opponents early. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out um, further down the stretch. Campbell, the other five and O team, uh, the only other undefeated team for the division three boys. So Bo off to a five and O start. They are off this week. Most of the area schools are on their April break, so not as many games in the area going on, at least, um, that uh, we'll be able to cover. I know Concord Baseball is going to be in Cooperstown this week for some games, but obviously not making the drive out there. Um, also wanted to mention Bishop Brady, a team that's now 1-3. and three. Um, But one thing that was interesting talking to their head coach, Frank Lamparelli, afterwards on Friday, this is his third year leading the program. And he said that it feels like really for the first time since he's taken over that he's seeing his group play as a unit and not just individual players. He said that was a big issue when he first took over. It was a lot of individual play, not a lot of team play. And I mean, they played pretty well. I think that it was 2-2 at halftime of the game Friday, but he said his guys just kind of ran out of gas in the second half. And I think that's something you that could be a challenge for, especially the D three teams that are even smaller mm-hmm. and, and lacrosse, obviously a very physically exhausting sport because you're running and on the boys side, you're ramming into each other and whacking each other with sticks. Uh, you can run out of gas pretty quickly. And that seemed to be the case for Bishop Brady, but still a team to keep an eye on in the area because they might be able to turn things around as the season progresses. We mentioned Hopkinton, uh, the Hawks took down Kearsarge last Monday, 14 to four, then beat Guilford 11 to three before losing to Campbell 4-2 on Friday. So the Hawks are now three and two on the season. And we talked about this a little bit on last week's pod, Dan, but Hopkinton, a team that expects to compete for D3 championship this year, but understandably going through a little bit of uneven uh, play to start the year working in a lot of new guys. They graduated a lot of seniors off last year's roster. Yeah, no, it's hard when you've got a, when you've got a smaller school and it's incredible how, how a school of Hopkinton size is able to keep churning out talent. Um, definitely some, some key players back, but some, some key losses to graduation as well. A big game that they had on their calendar that was supposed to be today that has been postponed is uh, Hopkinton playing on the road at Co Brown. That game is uh, supposed to be a pretty good one. That one has been postponed to a later date, um, but Hopkinton, you know, still looking fairly strong in Division three. Um, I did want to um, briefly shout out Merrimack Valley in Division two, a team that went three and eleven last year is already three and one this year. Um, so definitely uh, MV uh, new similar situation to uh, Hopkinton girls, which we'll uh, talk about a a new head coach, um, Coach Sean Gill, that's someone who is familiar with the youth programs in town, has coached a lot of the guys from from a young age, and has now worked his way up to their varsity program. So um, definitely some familiarity there. So Merrimack Valley, another one of our strong programs, they're currently three and one in. Division two, um, I have to say overall, I mean, it's still early, but definitely lacrosse programs already a lot stronger than last year. I think last year we had the Hopkinton boys reach the final and that was it um, on the, that was it on the boys side. I don't think 
we had any other playoff teams. Bes- I mean, you know, Concord made it made it to the opening round, but n- no one had advanced any further than that than the Hopkins and Boys. And so far, we've got a few um, area teams at the top of their uh, respective standings for boys lacrosse. So definitely a lot of improvement in the programs there. And that's a great segue because on the girls' side, Merrimack Valley girls lacrosse has experienced a similar turnaround this season, already having surpassed its win total from last year. I was at the Pride game against Pembroke last Tuesday. MV won the game 14-1 to uh, after they had lost to Winnicunit the day before, 13-2. Um I believe was a score. I might be uh, missing that, but they're three and two on the season. And for a team that only won two games last year, um, uh, sorry, it was 13 to four against Winnicott, but then 14 one against Pembroke, but uh, they won two games last year. They already surpassed that total. And something that uh, their head coach Kylie Yam had said was that it has been very encouraging to see, things turn around, especially this early, because when you're going through these rebuilds, especially at the high school level, it's like, all right, you know, we have this one year. We're not very good. We have a lot of younger players. They'll all come back next year and we'll be better. But there's few, you know, you feel the pressure to be better in that second year. And if things don't materialize right away, you know, you could start to really worry about where things are headed, but, you know, just getting those, getting off to that good start has helped them. I think, one of the things she talked about was they have played a really wide range of competition through the first five games, like Pembroke, which I'll expand on more shortly, team that's rebuilding, to say the least. Um, but then they've also faced other programs like you know Winnicunit, um and, and Timberlane that are generally stronger teams. So uh, it's kind of been a mixed bag opponent-wise, but for, for Merrimack Valley – you know they're they're definitely feeling good about about where they are now on on the Pembroke side. This is a team that's that's winless through four games. They've been outscored sixty seven to three in those four games. That is a massive massive margin, negative sixty four goal differential in just four games. And in fact, on Tuesday at the game I was at, their goalie had never played goalie in lacrosse before she had i think seven minutes to warm up their coach said uh sarah jacks um uh she uh, the goalie had seven seven minutes to warm up for that game and i think she ended up making like seven or eight saves but that's a team that as, as coach jacks talked about really taking things one small step at a time uh because they do have a bit of a ways to go before they um, can compete with, you know, for playoff spot and and, and more in, in Division Two. Uh, Dan, any other uh, girls lacrosse notes? Um, you know, we've definitely had, you know, we have Pembroke that's rebuilding. We have Concord that is zero and four and D one. Um, that's had a kind of a rough uh, start. Nineteen five, thirteen six, fourteen six, and fifteen to eight. Um, losses to open the year um we already talked about uh pembroke um in uh, uh division two uh, i think a team to keep an eye on a team we have not covered yet um but the newly formed john stark hillsborough gearing 
Um, girls cooperative team is two and two. Um, that's a team where um, John Stark uh, on their own was was five and nine. They didn't make the tournament. Hillsborough Daring was JV only. So um, already at that 500 mark is a you know, fairly good sign for a team that's this new. Um, and then uh, in Division Three, Bo and Guilford undefeated at the top five and zero. St. Thomas four and zero. Bo has scored nineteen goals in four of its five games so far. They had the nineteen to eight win over Hopkinton, the nineteen to one win over Bishop Brady, nineteen to four wins over Derryfield and Laconia. Derryfield being the uh, a finalist two years ago um, and a semifinalist last year, so. I mean, Bo has really taken it to the the really the best in the division. Um, they do have a, a stretch. I think the key to keep an eye on for Bo now is uh, they're at Conquer Christian on May twelfth. Uh, team that's three and one. Um, team that went undefeated last year in exhibition play. Um, Bo uh, at four and one Kearsarge on May fifteenth, and then Bo hosting Guilford, the other uh, five and zero undefeated team. So I think that stretch is of three games in a row is going to be really that's the toughest um, that they've got left um, on the Falcon schedule because I mean they've really kind of blown through everyone. It's still early, I think. The thought was Hoppington would get better as the season went on. It's their first game with a new coach and a new system and, and some new pieces in place, but with the potential to get a lot better. But uh, Bo is looking really good. Um, I did see something on Twitter that Bo's Alex Larrabee recently set the, uh, set the all-time scoring record with her, I think it was her 250th goal um, or 250th point, I want to say. I think it was goals. Um uh, but either way, setting the all-time scoring uh, record for the Bo Falcons. So wanted to give Alex a shout-out. Um, yeah, I mean, that's it. That's all I've got for the lacrosse. All right, well, let's pivot to the Diamonds. Uh, first baseball, I was at most certainly the quickest baseball game I've ever been at in my life. Last <laughs> Wednesday, Concord and Winnicunit. Concord won the game 2-1. to one. Concord... Starting pitcher, Matt Drews, complete game, 76 pitches. When it comes starter, complete game, albeit six innings instead of seven, because it, it was a road start for him, 75 pitches. It was it was just remarkable efficiency from both starting pitchers. And as cold as it was out there, I'm sure it was appreciated by a lot of the folks that were braving the conditions to watch the game. Um, so Concord is now five and two. On the season, um, I did want to mention that the two runs in the win last Wednesday were courtesy of a Nate Wachter two-run home run. And, Dan, you've been to way more games at Memorial Field than I have. I've only been to that one, but baseball games at least. that The, the home run sailed, I would say, probably three-quarters of the way up the trees in left center field. I mean, it was a – the center fielder may have taken two steps and realized, I got no chance at this. And it, that was that was the difference in the game. And and honestly, the difference in the game really was uh, Brooks Craig, Concord's shortstop, was their leadoff hitter, let off the bottom of the first with a pop-up to third that the Winnicott at third baseman – I don't want to say dropped because he never touched it, but it was so windy that the ball ended up dropping in 
probably should have would have been caught if it was not windy and that and the the difference of the game is two to one so there's that extra run right there uh, obviously you don't know things change if that ball gets caught and whatever but um that that the wind played a big role in that game on Wednesday I mentioned before Concord is going to be in Cooperstown this week for a few games they they're in the middle of a, a really busy stretch they were postponed Monday at Goffstown because of the weather but Starting Friday, last Friday, they had six games scheduled for in eight days, which is a lot, especially for a team that only has 14 players. And something that um, head coach Scott Owen has has said a few times is he's very happy. Like it's, it's 14 guys who can all play and contribute. It's not just there's not wasted space on their on the roster, um, for lack of a better term. So the, he has guys he feels confident, in, but. You know, six games in eight days, especially at high school, is a lot. And, um, you know, so we'll see how how they fare in this next stretch. But he's, you know, he he had said, like, you know, they're five and two now, but they still haven't played their best. You know, they've had games where their pitching's been really good. They've had games where the offense has been good. They've had games where the defense has been good. But they haven't really been able to put it all together for a full seven-inning game. I mean, you take uh, Wednesday as an example. The pitching was great. The offense was not so great. They only had two hits. And the defense was very good, except for the one inning. I believe it was the fifth when Winnicott had scored its one run. Uh, Concord made, uh, I think, three errors in the game. Um, so that breakdown in one inning could be enough to cost you come come playoff time. So they're still trying to work through that stuff. But as Coach Owen said, you'd rather be winning and have to work on these things than than losing and having to work on these things. So all things considered, Concord Concord's off to a good start this year. Yeah, and I think we've you know conquered a lot of those guys we've or I've seen play in, in Legion and and a lot of other stuff as well. So you know we know they'll get there. We know they're they're capable even if it hasn't gelled together with this group for the season. Um, that is an interesting point though that they've played that many games. Um, Concord is the only team that has seven uh, that's played seven games so far. So they've played the most games in the division. Um, and then they're playing, I think they've got three scheduled for over break, including a couple in Cooperstown. And then I think they come back on Friday. They, they've got three games in a row, which is which is a lot. So they're going to be well over halfway done with their schedule when when they return um, from the well, when when everyone is back from the April vacation week, um, which I think is uh, most teams are off. Like we our our master schedule is very light for this week, but uh, very few teams are playing um, to the same degree that Concord is, and I think that I think that's smart, quite honestly, because all of these games that are getting canceled and getting postponed, they're going to have to be played sometime. It's a short season, um, so I think it'll be nice to kind of have you know rest some of those arms and and have those breaks later in the May, um, as opposed to some of these teams where they've you know, or maybe they've only played four games and they've got, you know, and then they're going to be, they're going to be doing six games in eight days right before the playoffs to get their schedule in. So um, I think that could work in Concord's favor, but definitely a, a good start. They ha- they're tied for the most wins in the division. Um, you know, I think they'll continue to move up the standings once, you know, some of the other teams, uh, you know, kind of match the same number of games that the Tide has, but good start for the Tide for sure. And and to that point about scheduling too, I think I, I don't know what most of their D one rosters look like because there's none other that we cover. But Concord has a lot of experience back, so th- these kids have been through the varsity schedule before most of them, so they know what to expect. They know how it works, and I think there's something to be said about that as well. 
uh, going into this stretch where it's not going to be, it's not something that, you know, you'd probably be, you wouldn't be as worried as if you had, you know, a much younger team that hadn't been through this before. Now Concord softball also off to a really good start this season. They are the, they were the D one runners up last year. Um, they did though suffer their first loss of the season at Winnicunit last Wednesday, two nothing loss tighter five and one overall. And that two nothing loss was the only time this year that the tide have been held under 12 runs in a game. <laughs> they didn't score at all in that one, but they have scored 12 or more runs in each of the five wins, which is very impressive. Maybe not super surprising. I know head coach Duke Sawyer had talked when they scored 12 runs in their first game of the year, that that was especially the one area that he's very confident in them being able to have success in all season. And um, so they did, they did have that loss, but one thing that he had said to me before the season began was like last year, they started the year on like a 17 game win streak or whatever it was before they lost in the championship. I presume Um, when you're winning constantly and you don't have that one loss, you don't really, it's harder to find that motivation to find those things to improve on. Whereas now they have this loss under their belt and they can kind of use that as, all right, what do we need to fix in order to make sure that doesn't happen again, especially when we get to the playoffs. So Concord, right. five and one, um, they're off to a great start. Dan, anything you want to add about them? No, I mean, I just think this is, you know, what we're used to seeing from the from the tide. So I think just, you know, consistently, we'll see, can they consistently play at that same high level that, that we know they can play at? Because um, it only takes one, you know, just the way the playoffs work, it only takes one loss to to knock you out so we'll see um uh yeah we'll see if they can keep that up the rest of the way um there were uh some other baseball things that i did want to um shout out conquered christian five and oh um defeated and on top of the division four standings we have not gotten any stats or anything from them yet this year after the preview so i could not tell you how they are doing it but i know that conquered christian is on top of the standings they have Four of those wins where they've only allowed one run. Um, so I know in the preview, uh, coach had spoken to uh, spoken to some experience there, um, especially on the the pitching and the defensive side. So that's definitely coming into play early. So uh, that's been a really good start um, for Division Four Conquer Christian and Bishop Brady four and zero undefeated in Division Three. They are behind the defending champs, Manadnock, who are five and zero. Um, Bishop Brady, kind of with a young team uh, with some young arms, um, but they've got some big wins. They have a ten nothing win over Kearsarge. They have a twenty one nothing win over Mascoma. Um, so definitely with a a, a younger um, uh, pitching staff, uh, Brady's got some. They've they've picked up some good wins so far. Um, and then in Division Two, we've got a bunch kind of in the middle, um, but it's still early. And I feel like with Division Two, it, it kind of evens out, um, just because we have so many local teams that play each other. There's usually a couple that emerge um, later on in the in the season. Um, John Stark, right now, the best Division Two team that we have at three and two. Um, they've they've got a couple. Uh, they've got a pretty good uh, a pretty good team across the board, but some uh, strong players, including Anthony. Um, Iola Celli, I think is how you say his name. He has a no-hitter uh, and a couple home runs. Um, 
to open the season. So yeah, those are, uh, those are my notes for baseball. Um, Eric, I've got some for softball. Unless you had anything else you wanted to, you wanted to add. No, I think, uh, I think we've rounded the bases that you could say for baseball. Um, yeah, uh, don't all laugh at once. Um, but softball, I mean, um, similar to baseball, lots of talent, especially in division two big game coming up this week that if you are interested in the area teams, uh, co uh, Brown hosting John Stark on Wednesday, that game is scheduled. Co Brown is five and zero on the season. John Stark three and one. And Dan, that if I'm correct, is a rematch of last year's division two championship game. So it is. A it is one. a rematch of last year's championship. Both teams with their aces, um, back as well um we've kind of we talked about this on the last podcast how for whatever reason of softball you've got kind of one standout pitcher one ace that sort of stands out um co brown has maddie dakota um john stark has olivia hargreaves and then uh Liv lacasse on merrimack valley and hannah mcgonigal on bow kind of the the top players in all of those squads that are all doing uh, very well and are all in that top top third uh, of the standings at least. Um, it's Cole Brown at five and zero, tied for the lead in the division with five and zero Hulls Brookline. Um, so definitely a lot of strong teams to keep an eye on in Division Two. Um, in Division Four, Pittsfield is four and zero. Um, again, not a team that we hear from very often, so I could not tell you how uh, they have been uh, doing, uh, but presumably very well in the year four and zero, and you've won some games as big as they have. That's a good, that's a good sign. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot. There's still a lot of references um, from coaches when they're submitting scores to pitching, and then kind of cleaning things up on the field. Um, you know, some teams have more experience on the field this season than others. Um, uh, but you know, that's starting to even out now. I mean, most team today, maybe not the best day. I know a lot of things have been canceled or postponed because of weather, but in general, teams are getting out on the field. They've been able to get more reps, um, doing those kinds of drills outside. So I think it'll be interesting to, um, to, uh, even out. So that gets us through all of our uh, sports that, that we've been covering. Uh, let's get to my interviews with my interview with Hopkinton girls across co-head coaches, Gus Madden and Bob Brown. Here with Hopkinton girls lacrosse co-head coaches, Gus Madden and Bob Brown. Guys, thanks so much for joining the podcast. We're going to be talking a little bit about uh, the Hawks' uh, start to the season. You guys taking over as the new co-head coaches, um, and kind of where you where you see where the girls are uh, about two weeks into the season. Uh, so why don't we start with just you guys taking over? Um, not a lot of programs, whether it's lacrosse or other sports, have two head coaches. Um, what was kind of the, the decision making behind you guys doing this together? That's it. You want me to take that one, Bob? Sure. Sure. Well, I so so Bob and I have coached for uh, for years at the youth level, and uh, I and obviously, you know, coaching high school is a big jump, uh, especially in a in a team that has had a lot of success and has high expectations. So, 
And from my perspective, I felt, you know, and I felt and I still feel that having uh, Bob as a co-coach is a, you know, is a great resource for me. And it also, you know, gives us uh, sounding boards. We, we work on, you know, different uh, practice plans, drill ideas, game strategy, player evaluations, all of those things, having someone to talk about it with uh, has, has been fantastic, especially because the, you know, the, it, it's stepping up from the youth level to the high school level has been a huge change. I don't know. What do you, what do you think, Bob? Yeah, absolutely. I guess I'd, I'd add to it. Uh, you know, Gus and I have known each other a long time. We're both Hopkinton alum. Uh, we graduated a year apart. Gus is older, I'll say. And uh, I just, you know, it's, it's great. Great. Uh, it's great working together with Gus. And, uh, you know, I think, I think we both have been involved with the program for quite a while, even even if not directly for, with the varsity team. You know, we've been around it again, as Gus, Gus said, we've coached the girls for, you know, previously. But then, uh, you know, I again we just we've been around the team for for quite a few years so and and to follow up on that how helpful has that been obviously it's it's different coaching high school varsity versus the youth uh, uh programs but no having familiarity with the girls the girls having familiarity with you guys i imagine that's helped make the transition uh to to new head coaches a bit smoother than it would otherwise absolutely uh you know i i've also been um I've been coaching the, the uh, this group of girls. I've been helping uh, for quite a few years now, doing the the off season, uh, working with them uh, down in Bedford at the indoor. Um, so I have been, you know, coaching this group of girls, you know, previously as well. So um, that 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 I think helped helped me at least with the transition. And again, I know uh, Gus Gus is uh, probably coached. Coached the girls more in youth lacrosse than I did because I was I was coaching boys lacrosse a lot and and then towards the tail end I came over to the girls side. But yeah, and and as as we mentioned before, Eric, like yeah, I think um, as I mentioned before, I mean we've got we've got new we've got girls on this team who are playing lacrosse for the very first time in their lives. Uh, but as I explained to them, you know, I remember when a lot of a lot of the girls on this team i remember their very first practice or their very first skill session you know the first time that they were on a field with a lacrosse stick in their hand so and they're you know and so you you uh when you see that development over years and you see you know you, you get to know players and their their uh their relative strengths weaknesses what they need to work on um how they how they uh you know, what the best way to communicate them with them is, you know, because coaching is communication and, you know, you certain people, certain people like to be, you know, one message will get through with a, with a particular tone and with, with others, if you use that tone, it's just going to shut them down. So, so having that knowledge at the start of the season is definitely helpful. Um, and I, you know, but I, as a whole, I think, you know, the, the group also, I think, um, when we, when the previous uh, head coach, you know, announced that he wasn't returning, I think the, you know, the players and the parents, you know, reached out to both Bob and I to ask us if we would be willing to to take on the team. Um, and so that was, you know, that was a vote, that was a good vote of confidence to start, um, you know, as we, as we started with, you know, this process. And I know uh, Gus, you had mentioned when we talked for the uh, preseason preview that, it's it may take a little bit of time to figure out, you know, especially defensively um, with the team, because as you said, you have some players that haven't played lacrosse 
before. How would you say that things have kind of progressed as you've hit about two weeks into the regular season? Uh, that's a good question. I think I want to say, well, so we've, we've had our, I think our two toughest opponents, we've already played them um, in the season. So we, we very clearly see what we, uh, how, where we need to get better and what we need to do to improve, to match uh, what they're putting on the field. Um, so I think that, uh, you know, we've, we've made progress and we still have more progress uh, to make. Um, so, yeah. It, yeah. And so I, you know, I'm, I'm excited, I'm excited for, you know, I'm, I'm excited for the girls in terms of the strides we've made already, but I think we, you know, we've got a ways to go and we've got plenty of work to put in. I don't know, Bob, what, what, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, we, looking at the roster, we've got a large group of, of freshmen, obviously, and uh, we, we see a lot of potential going forward. Um, I think we definitely have not put our best product on the field yet. We've got a lot more to come and we'll, we'll be, you know, I look forward to seeing the 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 two top teams there that that uh, we've already matched up against. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing them again. You know, for a second time, I think I think we'll have a better product in front of them by the time we see them again. Uh, that said, we still have a couple of good games. Uh, well, more than a couple, but we we definitely have a couple looking forward to that that uh, I think are going to be very competitive games as well because it's uh, again, you know, played with some of them and saw some of them at, at indoor. Uh, I believe uh, Concord Christian Academy should not be looked past. I think they're going to be uh, a, a difficult opponent or give us a challenge as well. Um, one that I'm not familiar with, but looking at the standings and, and looking at their schedule, what they've been doing, obviously Milford looks to be, uh, you know, competitive. So uh, I think we'll we'll uh, we'll keep getting better uh, every week. Yeah. So for those. Uh... Those who haven't been following as closely, those two teams that Hopkins already played, Bo and Guilford. Uh, Hopkins, two losses, also with two wins um, as well. Uh, but getting back to what we were just discussing with, you know, looking forward to seeing improvements, where are some of those areas that you guys are looking to see growth? Want to go first, so, Go ahead, Oh, yeah. Well, I just say, you know, defensively, we still have a lot of work uh, – we have a lot of work to work on our defense um, and just the organization uh, there uh, from one-to-one, one-to-one defense to our team defense. And also I think on our clear and our ride, we definitely need work. Uh, we haven't had any, uh, when we have the ball, we, we've been able to score, um, but obviously, you know, draw controls, uh, you know, we've, we've got some, We've got some players that have been successful at the draw, but we also have some new players that are, are, I'd say, developing, and we think they're going to be very strong at the draw, but they're going against, uh, you know, some, uh, some very, you know, especially with respect to those two teams, some very accomplished uh, lacrosse players at the draw. So, you know, we've got, uh, we've got a lot of room to grow there, and and that's, you know, that's what we've got in our plan. Bob, what, what do you think on that? Yeah, I think you. You know, I think Gus hit most of the points. We you know, obviously we've been talking a lot, so we, we're kind of in agreement on that. I guess like the what one one I would add is is uh, kind of controlling the tempo of the game. Um, girls need to slow down. Uh, I'm sorry, our our girls need to learn how to slow the tempo and, and pace of the game down because um, I think that's going to be a big part of you know ball control, game game, uh, you know clock control, slowing down the game is uh, is going to be a part of keep keeping it out of the other team's hands is going to help us against uh, teams like Guilford and Bo going forward. 
Now, who have been some of the players that that have stood out to you that you've had on the team this year? I'll go first. Uh, definitely, um, uh, obviously, Sarah, Sarah Chodish has been, again, you know, Gus and I both have coached her for quite a while, so I think there's no surprise there. Rose Finlayson, um, no surprise there. Um, again, th- those are two big, you know, contributors and, and, and scores for us, obviously. I think uh, a, a real good surprise uh, has been uh, Sydney Westover. Um, she's been fantastic on the draw for us, as well as, you know, honestly, she's kind of that uh, multi-purpose tool. Uh, you know, where we where we need her, we we can plug her in. She's she's uh, she's solid on defense and getting better on defense. Uh, obviously, she is a threat to score uh, with the ball on her stick. So, uh, Sydney Westover's probably been the biggest surprise for me. And then again, we've got a lot of young players that have been. You know, uh, by the way, uh, Sydney's a sophomore. Uh, and then from the freshman class, uh, definitely uh, Ava Burns, Maeve Owens. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna butcher her Ellen, name. Chilly. Ellen Eaton or oh, Marcella Guadagno. Yeah, that's the last. We call her Chili. I don't. I. I'm not great with uh with her last name. So, um, anyways, uh, and, and then, then uh, definitely Helen Eaton. Yeah, to Coach Coach Madden's point. Go ahead, guys. And I'll and I'll uh, you know I. And uh, I'll, you know, I'll step in and also, but Bob probably doesn't want to, to toot his daughter's horn, but Katie Brown is a force all over the field. Offensively, she's a, you know, she's one of our leading scorers every game. And also defensively, she forces turnovers, picks up ground balls, uh, pushes, you know, pushes attempt, you know, it, it is the, you know, is a, is an engine on the clear and uh, is sort of our main shutdown defender. So, so Katie is, is definitely up, up in that conversation. Um, and just to, you know, and just to, you know, uh, emphasize what, what, uh, Bob has said, you know, Sarah Chodish is a, is an incredibly skilled player, very smart, um, you know, very great teammate, great attitude all the time, always puts in the effort. Uh, Rose has been an excellent senior leader. Um, and Sydney, uh, yeah, the, the Sydney as a sophomore is just, is just, uh, improving every game, really humble player, um, you know, puts puts it on herself. You know, if if she makes a mistake and and that kind of thing. But when as she as she realizes how good she is and what kind of um, you know, and starts to take advantage of of her of her uh, sort of uh, how to, uh, skills as a power forward, um, she's really going to make an impact on the game in in Division Three. Um, and then as as freshmen, uh, you know, Ava Burns, Mavo, and Helen Eaton, they're they're all very solid players who have been, um, you know, it's, they're also, a, you know, very good to coach smart and, uh, and, you know, they, they do good things when they have the ball. Yeah. I wanted to, I, I wanted to add in there to you also our, our, our freshman goalie uh, for stepping in and playing goalie. And, and she's been doing, she's been doing a very good job. And I, I'd see nothing but her improving. Uh, you know, she's a player that we, we were able to find and, and stepped in for us. Um, and she has, hasn't played for a couple of years. Uh, and to step in and be doing the job she's doing is, is fantastic. And I, I only see her getting better as the year, as the year goes on and hopefully for more seasons to come. That's true. And just in case your listeners do not understand, uh, the life of a lacrosse goalie is probably the most punishing, painful, um, not just physically, but emotionally 
uh, you know, job in, in all of sports. I don't think there's a position that is more demanding on your, on your physical person or your psych, you know, or your psyche than being a goalie in the cross. It's, it's a, it's a whole nother level uh, from not just from a field player, but from a goalie position in any other sport. Uh, you know, you should see the bruises that she has and that, she, you know, she still shows up and comes to practice. And, uh, and to me, like, that's a, that's a real testament to someone's dedication and their, their ability to, uh, you know, to sacrifice for their team. I mean, physical and, and, and mental sacrifice because a lacrosse goalie, you know, like a good, a good goalie makes, saves about 50% of the shots. Whereas in every other sport, you know, a good goalie is going to be saving 90% of the shots. So, so that just from that perspective alone, um, you know, you have to have a, a solid, you know, mental, you have to have a really good self-confidence and a really good reserve of will to step back in that net every time, especially when there's a very good chance that you're going to get tagged and it's going to hurt really bad. So, so hats off to Howie and all uh, lacrosse goals. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just watching these games does not look, does not look like a fun position to be playing. Um, I, I want to ask you guys, uh, Last last thing I wanted to ask is more broadly just about Hopkinton lacrosse um, because you guys obviously have both coached at the youth levels. Hopkinton, I believe, Gus, you had said, is the smallest school in the state that has a lacrosse team. Smallest um, public, smallest public school in the state public school lacrosse team. Yeah. that has a lacrosse team. And it's not just that Hopkinton has a lacrosse team. This program won the D3 championship last year. The boys uh, were runners-up in D3 last year. So this is not just a team. This is a program that's had a lot of success. I was just wondering if you guys could maybe speak to that and, and kind of why um, Hopkinton has been so successful long-term despite not having a ton of kids. Uh, I'll, I'll take that first, Bob. And um, the, So, I, you know, I, hats off to the, the Hopkinton Lacrosse Club youth program in town. There's a lot of really dedicated volunteers uh, that not only run the club, coach the coach the team, parents that step up, you know, people that, you know, didn't, uh, you know, they haven't really, you know, maybe they never played lacrosse and they're they're interested and they 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 don't know about it, but they their kids have a good time and and so we we find parents to coach and we have emphasized, you know, our practices are built around fun and skill development and. Uh, and so I think that that's, you know, it, I could talk for, I could talk forever on this, Eric. So I, I'll let, uh, I'll let Bob chime in on there, but that's, that's a, the youth program is definitely a key to Hopkinton and the, you know, the coaches and, and the, the program that they set up has put up players. I mean, we get to a point where we're exporting lacrosse players to prep school and we are still competitive. So that's, you know, that, that's, a, that's all in, in a tribute to the youth program. Uh, yeah, I mean, just to add to that, I mean, I, I, for one, I definitely agree that it, a big part of it is has to do with the feeder program that's coming up and coming, you know, the kids coming through. Obviously, the program is is, is a whole, and the, the athletes being given to the coaches uh, when they get to the to the high school. Uh, that said, I want to give kudos to you know the coaches before us. Obviously, Tim Bassett, Mike Zahn, uh, the the boys coach uh, Deacon Blue, excellent coach. I've been involved with him and worked with him quite for quite a while as well. So I think. You know, again, that that speaks to it, but a big part of it is that is that that youth going, uh, the youth feeding up into it. Um, I guess that the other part I'd add into it because I think, unfortunately, we we suffer from it a little bit this year. We lost you know a few players to track and stuff like that. But I, I guess I want to speak just in general that that Hopkinton and I 
Gus, you might know the number better, but I've heard it. I've heard it said before. There's a very high percentage for you know, Hopkins has a really high percentage of of student athletes, and it's it's some ridiculous number when you compare it to other schools. Seventy five percent of the students at Hopkins High School play at least one, uh, you know, one sport during the school year, which is yeah, that's if you look at other schools like a Pinkerton or something like that. It's just you know, it'd probably be point you know, it'd probably be seven point five percent of the the athletes so that that's definitely a, a huge benefit to Hopkins high school so where i'm going with that i guess is that you know there's a lot of athletes all right uh you know not necessarily not necessarily the biggest school from a from a numbers and a pool wise from that standpoint but when you when you look at the percentage of of the students that are involved coming over from crossing over from all kinds of different sports it, you know and i think i do think too uh you know having the lacrosse players be involved in other sports in other seasons helps as well, you know, multi-sport athletes. And I, th I think a lot of our girls are, are multi-sport athletes. So um, I guess that's kind of my take on that. Absolutely. Well, that's a, that's a great way to wrap up. Uh, Hopkins and girls lacrosse as of this recording, two and two on the season, but they've played two of the better teams in D3 in those first four games. So um, they're hoping to put some wins together as they hit the close to the midpoint of the season already because this is a pretty short spring season we got here uh so we will obviously keep you posted on how how the hawks do coaches gus madden bob brown thanks so much for joining the podcast it's great to hear some behind the scenes about the hawks thank you eric so dan we talked a little bit uh last week on the show about and alluded to it before too with uh, Hopkinton being the smallest public school per Brown and Madden uh, that has lacrosse teams. And, and we, I said it last time, like it's, it's one thing to field them. It's another to be good and mm -hmm. consistently good. And that's what Hopkinton's be able to do both boys and girls. In this case, the girls are, you know, trying to get back to where they were last season. I know they lost a few seniors and a couple of kids who moved over to prep school. But um, again, you know, when looking at D3 girls across, Bo, we know is probably going to be there near the end of the year. Hopkins, another team that people should keep an eye on. Yeah. Now, uh, so tech now, Eric, I have the NHIAA handbook in front of me. Now, I was going to say uh, they're not the smallest. Interlakes is smaller, but Interlakes is a co-op with Moulton Borough, so I guess so they're the only public school that has a standalone across. Yeah, uh, yeah, because yeah, uh, Dairyfield not a public school. Bishop Brady not a public school. They are, in fact, yeah, they are, uh, in fact, correct on that. Not that I, not that I expected they would be wrong but i happen to have the handbook out in front of me so yeah no that's an interesting interesting uh tidbit there yeah i mean across the board though hopkins and their ability to put together um i mean their, their numbers of participation like the percentage of their student of, of student athletes in their student body has to be incredible i mean i know from coach rob roth the hopkinton track team has 54 I mean, that's a huge track for, for almost any school that's massive, especially for a school like Hopkinton. And they're still able to field all these other varsity teams, plus a few other JV teams as well. So they're, yeah, I'd be curious to hear about that. Eric, not um, high school related, but I did just get an alert that Aaron Rodgers is now a New York Jet. 
I'm going to stamp this moment in time as a, an alert I just received. So I don't know if that um, has any bearing on you and any of your rooting interests and in, in the NFL, but uh, yeah, Aaron Rodgers is now a jet. So that's yeah. I got the same notification too, as a giants fan does not impact me in the least. I also don't <laughs> think it's going to work out much, but no, I, 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 do not I look okay. a conversation for another day, but I, I don't think this will help the Jets out too, too much. But yeah, it's, it's you know really exciting time in sports, professional sports wrapping up. Um, you know, uh, Stanley Cup playoffs and NBA playoffs happening. We've got uh, all, we're almost half. I guess technically at the end of April, vacation is the halfway point. Um, based on the calendar at least as far as the spring season so we're yeah it's got like five six weeks left in the whole season i mean yeah it's going going june 10th june 10th or championships that's about six weeks away so six weeks eric this is all done hard to believe but uh we're quickly approaching the finish line so again, thank you to gus madden and bob brown for joining the podcast chatting about hopkinton girls lacrosse for Dana Torrey, I'm Eric Rinson-Lebel. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Modern Sports Podcast. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.